This is an ABC podcast. I have a toddler at home who's two and a half years old. And every morning I have to, when I'm working at home, I have to go through our usual goodbye routine of we high five, we kiss and we have a hug and then I say goodbye and she waves goodbye to me. And then I have to actually go outside the house, then creep back around through the garage and the back door into a little room we've got out the back of our house so she doesn't know that I'm home. However, on occasion, I've been discovered by her there and then once she finds me, absolutely no work gets done. So, yeah, it's been pretty hard for many of us making hybrid work actually work for us. Hello, I'm Lisa Leong, and to help you through this transition on This Working Life, we're devoting the next two episodes just to hybrid work, what it's doing to our focus and feelings of loneliness and how to make it work for you. So let's kick things off with focus. We'll bust some myths about attention and learn some great hacks along the way to help you find your flow state. Yes, well, I love working from home because it gives me a greater degree of flexibility and there are also far fewer interruptions when I work from home. So I'm able to focus and do deep thinking, which is really valuable. That's Associate Professor Sue Williamson from the University of New South Wales in Canberra. Now, you've been conducting surveys over the last couple of years with hybrid workers about their preferences for working arrangements, and you ask them questions about productivity and their focus. Can you please summarise for me what you found in 2020 when it came to how focused people felt when working from home compared to the office? Yes, we found that people considered that they were much more productive working from home than when in the office. And we've conducted surveys in 2020 and 2021, and our findings were that almost three in five respondents considered that they were more productive working from home, which is really significant. So we've concluded that people are just as productive, if not more productive, when they're working from home. Mm, So now that people are starting to return to the office, how did they feel and did they feel more distracted and did their productivity dip then? Yes, it's really interesting because people are telling us that they like working from home because there's fewer distractions and when they're going back into the office, they don't want to talk to people so much. People have given us lots of comments around how they get annoyed with people coming up to their desk, with interrupting them. If they're new in their workplace, they don't feel that they have the right or they're able to say to people, hang on, I'm trying to focus and do some work here. So people are becoming somewhat more insular and wanting to focus and to engage less in the office small talk and the office banter, which is interesting, but also a bit of a bit of a worry because we do need those social connections at work because they lead to all sorts of, you know, good work practices, innovations, and just a bit of cohesion in office-based environments. And how did 2021 findings differ or were they the same to 2020, Sue? 
They differed a little bit. In 2020, more people said that they were more productive working from home and managers agreed with that. In 2021, fewer managers agreed. They said that the productivity had been maintained but not necessarily increased. And that's due, we think, to a phenomenon known as panic productivity. So in 2020, the pandemic hit. People worked very hard, very long hours, They worked very intensely developing new policies, looking after colleagues, you know, doing all that really important work. And we focused on the public sector. And so the public sector was rolling out policies, you know, all those big changes that were necessitated by the pandemic. So that was a really intense period of work for people. And it's just unsustainable. So 12 months later, people were telling us that they were tired, they were burnt out, and they were just unable to keep up with that level of productivity. And reverting back to sort of pre-pandemic levels of productivity, but still at the very least maintaining their levels of productivity. And you also found that there was a discrepancy between managers and workers when it came to perceptions of productivity when employees work from home. Can you tell me about that, please? Yes. So managers in 2020 said, yes, our teams are productive. They're working really well. Performance is good. In 2021, fewer managers said that. They said that productivity was being maintained, but not necessarily increased. Whereas workers said, yes, we're still being more productive. So there is a definite disjunction between what managers think and what employees think. And we think that That's probably because managers have an overview of the team and they can see how tired people were getting at the end of last year and concluded that people just can't keep up that rate of working and they're maintaining productivity, but it's not increased. Whereas employees were still working long hours and still thinking that, yep, I'm just as productive as I was in the previous year. What do you think your findings tell us about the future of work and hybrid work? Yes, it's very interesting. One of the overwhelming findings is that people love working from home and they want to keep working hybridly. In line with international research, we found that people want to work from home two to three days a week. We also found a big chunk of employees don't want to go back into their regular workplace at all or only for one day a week. And this has ramifications for how teams are managed, how they work together, and also for the physical spaces of the workplace. What happens to all those workplaces if people are only in there for one day a week? And if people aren't enabled to work from home two or three days a week, almost half of our respondents told us that they would consider leaving their employer and looking for somewhere where they could work hybridly. So hybrid working is here to stay and global research backs that up. So if hybrid work is here to stay, then how are we currently managing it? Hello, my name is Cathy. I work in, as a communications advisor for a disability service provider in regional Victoria. So at the moment, we're two days at home and three days in the office. However, we can kind of mix that up a bit depending on our own circumstances. I think when it comes to staying focused and 
are giving your full attention to work, I actually really prefer working in the office. And that's partly because I have a toddler at home who's two and a half years old. And every morning I have to, when I'm working at home, I have to go through our usual goodbye routine of we high five, we kiss and we have a hug. And then I say goodbye and she waves goodbye to me. And then I have to actually go outside the house, then creep back around through the garage and the back door into a little room we've got out the back of our house so she doesn't know that I'm home. I was close to the door and actually had to hold the door because she was fiddling with the door handle again. But I had to hold the door shut and she wasn't able to get in (laughs) or realise that I was at home, which was the key point. However, on occasion, I've been discovered by her there. And then once she finds me, absolutely no work gets done. When I'm in the office, I think that having that separation between home and work, I do find it easier to get into that stage. And I actually find having people around and a little bit of that kind of background noise is quite helpful. But for others, working from home is preferred. Hi, my name is Kim Flowers and I'm a customer success manager in the tech industry. I'm currently working from home probably four out of the five days a week with one either in the office or one off-site with customers. Look, my flow state definitely comes from working at home. I think it comes down to the environment that I can build for myself. I don't have any interruptions when I'm at home. I'm able to burn a candle or even open a window. I get to move around so I can work from the kitchen bench or I could go work outside in the sunshine. The ability to be able to shut off and play music that I like that can um, help me focus. It's something really bizarre to experience when being back in the office because everybody seems immensely louder, even if they're not necessarily a loudspeaker. And then you have everybody on virtual calls or meeting in, you know, the corridor or if you're like me and you're in open plan spaces, it just amplifies all the conversations that are happening around you and you're phenomenally, like, experiencing this overload of senses. So it's incredibly varied in where we prefer to work and where we feel most focused. So what even is focus anyway? What's happening inside our heads when we work? Now we're going to get a bit sciencey now, so stay with me. Stay focused, folks. Yes, hello, I'm Catherine Johnson and I'm an Associate Professor at the University of Melbourne in the School of Psychological Sciences. Do you find it easier to focus when you're working from home or in the office or on campus? It fluctuates at both places. So on campus, it's just terrific to be around all the students and other staff members. And I really missed that when I was working at home. Um, But you get knocks at the door, you get like the conversations around you in the corridor um, that can be distracting. Um, But when you're at work, you can't go, oh, I really need to go and put the washing on. Oh, I should go and do that now. Or, oh, I'm really hungry. I'm going to go to the fridge and get a snack. So There are lots of distractions at home and there are lots of distractions at work. So, Catherine, what exactly is attention as you define it? Attention is the ability to focus on a particular thing and ignore all the other distractions around you. And what is happening inside our brain then when we're paying full attention, Catherine? Oh, that's a great question. (laughs) So, if we're paying full attention, then we have got this activity within this circuit within the brain that's firing at an optimal level. And 
actually there's a few different circuits that are working together to help us do this. So it's actually quite a complex thing that we're looking at. Um, I'll go through the different circuits if you'd like. Yeah. yeah. So the first and really essential circuit is this alerting network. And so this is a, a, a network through the brain that's providing the brain with noradrenaline, which is this uh, neurotransmitter that helps us to concentrate. And it's this arousal network. So it's keeping us alert. If we're not alert, if we're too sleepy, Mm. or if we're hypervigilant and super on edge, it's really hard to concentrate. So this alerting network is the basis of everything that we can do. And then we have this orienting network. And so this uh, there are two parts to this orienting network. This is the system that helps us shift our attention around to the things that we want to pay attention to. So it may be that we need to pay attention to our computer screen and just focus on that. There are two parts to this. The first one is an endogenous system, and this is our goal-directed system. So we're saying, I'm looking for my phone. I really want my phone. Where is it? And so it'll help us to find the phone. Yeah. And then the second is the exogenous system, and this is stimulated by things around us. And this is under automatic control. We can't really control this very well. So this is something to pay attention to if we want to keep maintaining our concentration because it's out of our control. Ah. So it's stimulated by things outside. So it could be a a noise, like the doorbell going off, um, the phone ringing, a tiger. You know, it's it's an old system that's helping us survive. Mm. And so we, if we need to concentrate, we need to make sure that those distractions that we have control over in the world around us are absent. So our exogenous orienting system is not stimulated. There is the executive control system. This is the master controller. This is a system that helps us get going on a task and it helps us maintain the check. Are we staying on task? Are we doing the right thing? This is a very important system that's controlling what we're doing. Hi, my name is Kathy Ngo. I'm an HR and communications consultant specialising in diversity, equity and inclusion. I work from home mostly five days a week. I do have access to an office space. Uh, I do go into that office sporadically. I'm much more productive at home because we're so used to working from home as a result of the pandemic. Also, I realise how much more productive I am without all the the distractions. So a distraction of, um, you know, someone speaking loudly on their phone um, and not practising, I guess, uh, good office etiquette um, or someone who's got very overpowering perfume, uh, which I can't stand. I used to work with this lady who would spray Chanel Number no. 5 just before every meeting she went to and I can still taste it in my mouth today. So those are the sort of interactions that I I don't miss. I do miss the banter, you know, the typical office cooler conversations, but sometimes they do take a huge chunk of the workday and then I realise, holy moly, I I haven't gotten anything done yet. Hello, my name is Danny Sirotic and I'm a coach and consultant working in change. I'm a hybrid worker. I work all over the place, but mostly at home. <laughs> I focus the best in a number of places. Home is a good one, though I can focus in areas with a little bit of noise. Like it doesn't have to be a lot. I'm able to sort of zone sound out and focus in. 
I get into my flow state by taking a few moments to pause. Sometimes it's breathing and sometimes it's doing a little mindful activity that just stops my brain from thinking. And the other times the flow state comes is when I'm with people and you're actually like in the zone with them. So engagement is a big one to getting me into one of my flow states. As we've been hearing, staying focused and on task when working from home can be easier for some, depending on who is at home when you are and if you have to hide from your toddler. Innovative work consultancy, Inventium, has a fully remote workforce. So they've been figuring out how to best get into the flow state when everyone's working remotely. Sasha Darcy is a psychologist and inventiologist at Inventium working a four-day week. I am someone who needs quite a lot of accountability. So when I'm working from home and I'm the only person that's there, it can be a lot harder to get stuck into those deep work tasks that we tend to put off that are a bit meatier and a bit chunkier. I tend to get very distracted by those quick win tasks, the emails, the chat messages, um, things I can tick off my to-do list quickly. And so, Sasha, what's something you've found works to get you to focus on those bigger tasks that need full focus? A great tool that we use at Inventium is a tool called Virtual Caves. So, at the moment, we're running these weekly, but we used to run them monthly. You book a time in the calendar for your team. Everyone logs on. You generally book a a one or a two-hour session. And you bring to the virtual cave a deep work task that you've been putting off, one of those tasks that's hard to crack into. And everyone goes around and shares what they're going to be working on for the next hour. You're in a Zoom meeting or a Google meeting, so you can all see each other. And then you set a timer for 50 minutes and you all work alongside each other virtually. So cameras on, but microphones off. You work on your task. You can see your colleagues. It's sort of like they're hot desking near you via your computer. Uh, And if you have any questions throughout that time, you can just unmute yourself or you can pop questions that you have in the chat box. So what it does is it, it helps to fight some of that, first of all, loneliness that comes from working from home. But for me, I find it works really effectively to have that accountability because when your camera's on, you're not going to sit there scrolling on your phone for 20 minutes or you're not going to get up and make a cup of tea and then all of a sudden you're in the kitchen and it's been 30 minutes and now you've, you've got to go into a meeting. So it's, it's really helpful to keep you there and to keep you motivated and to feel like you're working towards common goals as a team, even though you're not all in the same space. Virtual caves, love it. And hearing how they do a 50-minute block with 10-minute breaks does make me wonder, what is the average attention span duration anyway? Catherine, I heard it's around 20 minutes. Is that true? Uh, yes, there has been events to suggest it's about 20 minutes, that's true. But if someone's phone goes off or there's something pops into their brain, oh, I really need to think about what I'm going to eat for dinner tonight and I'm going to start making a shopping list, that attention's gone. So like 20 minutes. Like email notifications, for or example. Or email notifications, mm. yeah, bings, absolutely, that'll break your attention. What happens after the 20 minutes? <laughs> oh, we, we need a break. Just need a break. <laughs> yeah, right. we need a break to refresh the system and to come back on board again. Can I tell you something I've been trying? It's the Pomodoro method. So you set a timer. Um, It's Pomodoro because the timer used to look like a tomato. (laughs) And then you work for a short burst, 20 or 30 minutes, and then you have a five-minute break. Um, I absolutely, it's been a fail for me, so I can't do it. 
and <laughs> probably because, I don't know, it just wasn't working for me. Tell me um, what's going on psychologically here? What's, um, what do you think about this method? I love the method. Um, I think it's excellent. And it'd be interesting to explore it's why it's not me. working for you. <laughs> I, th- I thought it might be user error. And oh. I know that uh, Zoe, our producer, uses it with great success. Okay. So yeah. she loves it. So I think what you're doing is, is, or maybe what Zoe is doing particularly well, is setting herself up for the allowance to concentrate for a period of time. So you're telling yourself it's okay to ignore all these other distractions that also are important. Like mm. it's important to know uh, what's going on in the world and to check your Twitter feed and so forth. But I'm going to allow myself to sit and concentrate for 45 minutes, hopefully, or 30 minutes or whatever it is that you need it for. Yeah. And turn off all those things so you're not distracted and your exogenous orienting system's not being stimulated. Yeah. And so you can focus. And then this massive reward occurs at that 45-minute or 30-minute period. You need to reward yourself. And we're getting to really basic psychology here, which is behaviourism. We're going to positively reinforce that behaviour. So maybe that's what you could try, Lisa. Do you know what happened? I think I got distracted looking up different tomato-shaped timers, to be honest, on the internet. (laughs) (laughs) That's really funny. (laughs) Tomato-shaped timers are beautiful. (laughs) So, Catherine, there are quite a few things that can influence our attention spans when we work. I'd like to go through them with you now. The first one is our bodies. So how does our physiology and how well our body is functioning impact our attention spans? Your physiology is incredibly important for how well you're going to attend. Um, So our brain is this beautiful object that has all these intricate circuits working and neurotransmitters talking to each other and electrical firing going off. And so to have that working at an optimal level, you need to feel rested, you need to be hydrated, you need to have enough glucose in the system for the brain to function properly because glucose is the energy source for the brain. And so in order to have your brain working at this optimal level, you know, you need to make sure if you were like the perfect human that you would be, you'd get enough sleep that you mm-hmm. personally need, that you would be fit so that you have enough oxygen for the brain and that you have enough energy for the brain to focus. Okay. Second one, the space we're in. So whether it be the, the home or the office. So many of us are noticing the difference in our attention spans, depending on whether we're working from home or whether we're now returning to the office. How can others in our environment impact how deeply we can focus on our work? Open plan. It's like a nightmare, a nightmare for attention control. Oh my goodness. So yeah, I really, I think it depends on the type of work that you're doing. So if you're doing group work where you need to talk to each other and bounce ideas around, of course, you need to be together in a great space. But if you need to do solid, focused work on your own, be on your own and not in an open plan office because that's just so hard. That's making it a nightmare for your attention system. It's not fair. And are we even out of practice? Is it like a muscle where we've been working from home, it's been silent and now? Yes, I would believe yes, yes, you might will be more open to influence from the external world because your inhibition systems, they haven't been practised because of the potentially good setup that you had at home. And so being back in an open plan office now with lots of people around, your brain is going to have to work harder to inhibit those noises and that is, that is actually quite hard work for the brain. Thanks to my guests, 
Catherine Johnson from the University of Melbourne, Sue Williamson from University of New South Wales in Canberra, and Sasha Darcy from Inventium. Next time on This Working Life, part two of our hybrid work special, where we'll be looking at loneliness and how we feel when working from home, and we'll be getting some tips on how to prevent it. I actually find working from home was really lonely in lockdown. (laughs) Working from home can be quite lonely from time to time. I'm really blessed that I have my pets here with me. What we call is relatedness. So it's having everyone has like a human need for for connection and belonging to a people or group or organization. And through not actually being able to develop those relationships, we're actually missing that psychological connection to people. And so this is self-determination theory, which you know predicts that people, you know, do need that sort of autonomy and competence, but also relatedness. And I think it's that relatedness that we lose when we're at home. We don't get that need met. Thanks to producer Zoe Ferguson, who's working from home with her bunnies and Pomodoro timers. I'm Lisa Leong, and until next time, love your work. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.